on the Reformation, and we have come to the fourth sola, that is solus Christus, and we will be turning uh, in our scriptures to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and the sermon will be on verses 5 through 6, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 to get the context of the passage. And the question that the reformers were trying to ask is, who is the Savior of God's people? And here they say, solus Christus. And that was in the face of uh, paganism. It was in the face of idols and idolatry and other mediators besides Christ. So here we find in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul speaking to Timothy in light of uh, false teaching. So let us read the word of God. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. May God bless the reading and preaching of his holy word this morning. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls the church the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Why? Because we bear his light. We reflect him, not only in what Jesus does, but we have his message to communicate to the world. And why is this message so important? Because the world around us lies in darkness, and the world is dying because of their sins. Paul has written to Timothy, and he begins the letter by warning him of false teachers who were teaching false doctrine or different doctrine. Uh, These false teachers were teaching the law of God, but they were teaching it in a vain way. They were using the law, that is, the entire Old Testament, to discuss vain topics such as genealogy rather than using the law properly. They were teaching that the Jews were still the only chosen people of God. And they were using the law to prove it. They were using it as, a, as a, uh, something to justify their own ideas. Uh, they weren't using the law as it should have been used now that Christ had come. They were using the Old Testament to trace genealogies uh, to try and find the people of God among themselves. But the reason why those genealogies were all placed there in the first place was to point 
to the coming Messiah, to the Christ, not to find out where we fit in that genealogy. It was to be used to find Christ, the true offspring of the woman, who every other offspring comes from spiritually to be considered the offspring of Abraham. Now that Christ has come, the law is to be used to expose sin. For both Jews and Gentiles have sinned, which means all, everyone, everyone on the planet has sinned. The law is to be used for sinners. It is to be used as a mirror to expose our true selves. And then Paul includes himself as a sinner and how Jesus Christ showed him mercy and gave him the task to spread the truth of the gospel and not to be caught up in vain discussions. And what is the truth of the gospel? That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners from their sin. That Jesus Christ is our only Savior. It is in this context that he tells Timothy that he should make all sorts of prayers for all types of people, even for those in the high positions of authority, that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives. But the question is, what should we pray for them? What is the content of our prayers for all types of people? Well, we pray that they might be saved. We pray for their spiritual well-being. That all types of people might be saved from the wrath of God. That the world around us, that is the people of the world, might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? What is the truth that people need to know and believe in order to be saved? This is what Paul answers for us here in verses 5 and 6. He tells us, there is one God, there is one mediator, and so there is only one ransom for sinners. First, he tells us what people are to know and believe in order to be saved by saying, for there is one God. There are all different types of people in the world. There are people in Asia, people in Africa, people in the Middle East, people in Europe, people here in America. And there are all different types of people, different ethnicities with different physical features. There are people of different classes, high, middle, and low. There are people who have power and authority, and there are people who don't. There is all this variety and diversity in the world, but... There is only one God. There are not many different gods for the many different types of people depending on who you are. This is uh, often taught by many false religions. That depending on where you come from and uh, what color skin you have, uh, you have your own separate and distinct God made in your image. Various people do not have their own gods made in their image. Paul is trying to communicate objective truth and knowledge that we must have in order to be saved. All must come to know the one true God for salvation. Just because there are 
A diversity of people doesn't mean there are a list of gods that we can choose from depending on where we come from. There is only one God. This is the teaching of Scripture. There are people who teach and people who believe that all religions uh, around the world are basically the same. And they all teach the basically the same thing. That all religions are just different expressions of the same God. It all depends on where uh, you grew up and how you were raised. Or maybe, again, based on what race you are. They say if you grew, grew up in parts of Asia, it's natural that your God is Buddha. If you are in the Middle East, it is Allah or Yahweh. If you are a Native American or a Native African, you may have many gods. We just need to leave each other alone and respect another's religion. Why? Because they teach and believe that all these religions somehow lead to salvation in the end. That what we have are just names that we made up as humans. Names that we made up for God. And what God's real name is, and what He is really like, we won't know until we die. Right? And go into the next world, if you want to call it heaven. But we know these are all lies. These are all lies. Because all of that contradicts what Paul is saying here. God has revealed Himself to His people. And God is the one who gives us His name. Who He is. And He reveals what He is like. We didn't make this stuff up. In other words. He is saying there are all types of people from different backgrounds. But there is only one God. And this is the message that Paul carries with himself to different parts of the surrounding world to challenge false religion and to make converts. That was his mission. And today, this is still the mission of the church. That's the point of being a missionary and spreading the gospel. That is why the message of the gospel Today is so controversial. Because we are going around and telling every other religion that they are wrong. Let's get to the point. Let's not try to beat around the bush. Because the culture says it's insensitive or bigoted. We're saying to every other religion that what they believe is wrong and that they are in darkness. Not because of what men have made up, but because of what God has revealed to us. Paul recognized that all people and all the religions that they claim are in darkness and all of these other religions will lead people to hell. They will. Why? Because they do not have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is what they need to be saved. And the gospel begins here with the fact that there is one God. And we can't just say, oh, they'll just find their way someday. No, if they believe wrong doctrine, and if they don't have the knowledge of the truth that Paul sets forth here, they will not be saved. It doesn't matter what it is or how similar it sounds to Christianity. False religions such as Islam, 
Buddhism, Hinduism, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism. The list goes on and on. But all false religions will lead people to hell. To endure God's wrath. Because they deny what God has revealed. I know every other religion claims that it was God that revealed it to them. But all of these religions contradict one another, don't they? And God's revelation cannot contradict itself. There can only be one that is true. And I say all this because Christians must have this conviction. If we don't have this conviction, what is the point of our message? What is the point of our existence? Why are we here? What is the point of this prayer that Paul asks Timothy to pray? That all types of people would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Because there is only one truth. Not many truths. And just like there is only one truth, Paul says, there is only one God. We must have this conviction. When we see a world that is lost and destined for destruction, it should lead us to pray for the salvation of all. Also, you would have to ask yourself, if everyone is going to be okay in the end anyway, then why are there so many converts to Christianity? And why are so many people mad about it? Why did Jesus need to convert Paul on the road to Damascus in person in such a dramatic fashion? If Paul was going to be saved anyway by whatever religion he was involved in, then why was his salvation so necessary? Paul was raised a Jew. He was raised in the traditions of his fathers, yet all along he was in darkness. He was in darkness. He was living as a man condemned by God. And he didn't know it. But then a bright light shone around him. And he was called out by Christ. And was saved by grace. And we have to ask. If people around the world. Who were raised in other religions. Were going to be saved anyway. Then why was Paul sent with this message of the gospel. To the different groups of people. That is the Gentiles. He was sent to them to tell them there is one God. That is the basis of our faith. There is one God. And so there is only one way of salvation. As we look around the world, we must look at men and women lost in their sin, following after false gods, and with conviction speak the truth that there is only one God who is our only Savior. If we consider where we were in darkness, before the light of Christ was shown in our hearts, our hearts should ache and break at the sight of false religion and how they have led people astray. And all of these people are lost. They're lost for eternity because of unbelief. Let us not forget where we were. Let us not forget the grace of Christ that was shown to us. Because there is no God of Islam. There is no God of Buddha. 
There are no gods of Hinduism. There are no gods of native religions. There is no other God but the one true God that Paul is sharing with the Gentiles and here in this letter to Timothy. He is telling Timothy of his great task that he has been given, that he has been entrusted with, and that Timothy is going to take up the mantle to defend this truth in the local church. And that is the task that I have been entrusted with. Because this truth, once believed, will save man from God's wrath. And indeed, this God is the same God of the Old Testament. But what many of the Jews fail to realize and believe is that all of the Old Testament is fulfilled in one man. All of the Old Testament, let me say that again, is fulfilled in one man. Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. All of the Old Testament points in one direction to one man. And God has provided one way of salvation through one man. And if the Jews do not receive and believe this one man, they too are heading in the same direction as every person involved in false religion. They too are worshipping a false god. Christians must have this conviction. Christians must have this conviction as well in regard to the Jews. Please, let us stop saying and believing that Jews worship the same God. They do not. They no longer worship the same God. Why? Because they no longer serve, or they never served, the one true man that the Old Testament is fulfilled in. Jews who practice Judaism of the Old Testament do not worship the same God if they do not receive, believe, worship, and serve this one man. They are just as condemned as the other false religions of the world because they reject this man. Who is this man? Who has God set up to save his people? Secondly, he set up a mediator. The one mediator between God and men is the man, Christ Jesus. A mediator is speaking of one who communicates and one who intercedes. Paul is saying that there is only one who communicates to men on behalf of God and one who communicates to God on behalf of men, interceding on his behalf. He is the link between God and men. He is the bridge to cross over to get to God. He he is the go-between God and men. There have been types of mediators before, such as we read earlier, uh, such as Moses and the high priests in the temple, But now that Christ has come, the types have passed away, and now there is only one mediator between God and men. And you're probably asking yourself, well, how can a mere man be the one mediator, the one link between God and men? Well, how is because he is both. The reason is because he is both. He shares the same nature with God, the Father, 
as he is the son. And he has a human nature like ours. The divine nature keeps the human nature from falling into sin and falling under God's wrath. His divine nature gives worth and makes everything he accomplishes as a mediator perfect in the sight of his father. His father is well pleased with all of his works because he is his son from all eternity. And in the scriptures, the only savior of God's people is God. And in Paul's letter to Titus, he says that we are to await the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. Which is the same way he speaks of the father in this letter. You see, God is a trinity. He is a triunity. When we hear the Shema from Deuteronomy 6 say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It is not only speaking that God is one in number, meaning He's the one individual God numerically, but it also means that God is a unity. The reason why we have so many diverse people is because God is diverse in himself, in his unity. He is diversity in unity. Three persons in one God. One God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Son has always been the mediator of the Father. It is through the Son that he created all things. And he has revealed God to men. And the Son has always been the Savior of God's people. And now that the Son has taken on flesh as the Christ, that relationship has been revealed between Father and Son. And the Son takes up this task as the one mediator between us and God in the flesh. And He had to be made a man to save man. To redeem the entire man. He had to be perfect in our human nature, to lead us to glory. And now the works of both natures are accepted by God from the one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we also confess this morning. So how does Christ serve as our mediator? How is he our mediator? Well, three ways. First, He is the one who communicates God's word to men as a prophet, as it says in Hebrews. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. A prophet speaks the words of God to us and reveals to us the way of salvation, just as Jesus announced at the beginning of his ministry. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And this leads to the second way he is a mediator because a kingdom needs a king. Secondly, he is our mediator as a king who rules us. He is our mediator as a prophet. He is our mediator as a king who rules us. He called us out of the world by his word. Then he gave the church officers, laws, in order to govern us. He gives us saving grace. He rewards us for our obedience. 
He corrects us and he upholds us through every temptation, through every suffering, even in the face of our own enemies. This is why we are called to, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. But this mercy is based in in another way he serves as a mediator. Thirdly, he is our mediator as a priest who intercedes for us. There is only one who stands at the right hand of the Father interceding for men. And that intercession is our sure hope of perseverance. Because the Father can never turn down a request from his Son. Notice that Paul brings up the identity of the mediator while he is speaking of the topic of prayer and how we should pray for the salvation of all people. Why? Because it is only through Jesus Christ that God hears our prayers. It is only through Jesus Christ that He answers our prayers. When we pray, and even when we pray and intercede for others, we pray in and through Jesus Christ. If we don't come to God through Jesus Christ by faith, God does not and cannot accept our prayers based on His holiness, based on His holy standards. He doesn't listen to the prayers of those who worship false gods. Well, He listens to them, He doesn't accept them. He doesn't accept the prayers of those who partake of false religions unless they repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And this was the one issue that was brought up during the Reformation. Who is it that we put our faith and trust in? Who do we depend on when we pray? Who do we pray to or through? Do we pray to Jesus' mother? Or the saints who lived holier than us? Are there multiple mediators between God and men? No. That contradicts scripture. Paul says there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. We ask people to pray for us all the time, to intercede for us. But we do not pray in and through them, do we? We do not pray in and through the people who pray for us as if our prayers are not good enough. Our prayers are only good enough because we pray by faith in Jesus Christ. It is not our zeal. It is not how long our prayers are. Whether they're written down or whether they're extemporaneous. It only matters If we pray in and through Jesus Christ. If we rely on anything else. Our prayers will be rejected. Jesus says. If you ask me anything in my name. I will do it. And whatever you ask of the father in my name. He will give it to you. Jesus is our only mediator. Uh, But he doesn't only mediate prayers between us. Does he? 
He also mediates salvation to us. As a priest, as Jesus says himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some have interpreted that to say that he is the way of life. As in, live like he lived and you will get to heaven. No, that's not what he is saying. He is saying he is the only way to get to heaven. He is the life that will be given for you to get to heaven. He is the only connection that you have to God. He is the only mediator between you and God. If you don't go through him by faith, you'll never get to God, no matter how good a life you have lived. But getting to the Father through Jesus and Jesus' intercession for us at the Father's right hand is not good enough. Right? It's not good enough just to go through Jesus in prayer. Another definition of a mediator is one who restores peace between two parties. And that is what Jesus does for sinners. And that is what he meant when he said that he is the way. Sinners are in the wrong with God. We only deserve the wrath of God. But our mediator has intervened and made peace between us and God. How? Jesus had to do something to seal the deal. As a mediator and savior, he had to come into the world to accomplish a work that was revealed to the Old Testament Jews in the temple sacrifices. And this is where we get to the gospel message in this passage. So thirdly, the mediator as a priest gave himself up as a ransom for all, that is, all types of people, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Now, the proper time is speaking of the time when all was fulfilled and revealed. All that the Jews knew from the law, that is, uh, from the Old Testament, and how the sacrifices made for atonement for, of sin was foreshadowing the ultimate once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As the author of Hebrews says, he has done away with the first order to accomplish the second. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Since he did, it, did this once for all when he offered up himself. Again. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. He entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves. But by means of his own blood. Thus securing an eternal redemption. He gave himself up, the unblemished lamb, as a ransom for us, as a substitute for us in our place, as Jesus would save himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why? Because there is a debt to be paid. There is a debt to be paid. 
As sinners, we are all indebted to God. And that debt is a debt that we can never pay. We don't have enough in our bank accounts. Because as soon as we wake up each morning, we spend it dry. In fact, by the time we wake up, it is already in overdraft. You can say we have an infinite amount of overdraft fees to pay. We can never pay off this debt that we owe to God. So Jesus paid it all for us. He gave himself up for us, being who he is, as 100% God and 100% perfect and sinless man. He is the only one who can pay this debt. No angel can pay this debt because angels are not created in the image of God. They don't share the same nature as we do. And they do not share the same nature as God. No one and nothing else could pay this debt but Jesus. This is what cements the foundation of who he is as a mediator. A priest who offers up himself as a sacrifice to release and redeem the prisoners who were captive. How? By atoning for our sins. He stood in our place and took on what we deserve for our sin. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. And we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So now as mediator, as our faithful high priest, he grants us forgiveness of sins because he has taken away our sins in his body once and for all. This is our Redeemer. This is the only one who has the power to do so. We cannot do it in ourselves by anything we have done. That was the foundational movement of the Reformation. What I have just explained are the basics of our faith. This is what Christianity is all about. If you cannot affirm these things, you deny the basics of what it means to be a Christian. What is that? What is a Christian? A Christian is one who is forgiven by God. And it is only through Christ one can be forgiven. For he is the one mediator between God and men. If we don't have a mediator between us and God, then we are in bad shape. We are in bad shape. Not only will we not be forgiven, but also our prayers will never reach heaven. Our worship on Sundays would be for nothing and would accomplish nothing. It would not be a sacrifice unto God if it wasn't for the one sacrifice. For all. He is our mediator. Even when it comes to our worship. Our worship is accepted by God. As it is through Jesus Christ. And through his righteousness. Found in his finished work. The basis of our worship is not found in how elegant it is. Or how much of a showcase it is. It is founded in Jesus Christ's finished work. All of our awe and reverence cannot buy God's favor. 
All of it would always hit a ceiling and never reach heaven. In fact, we can just sum it up like this. God doesn't accept anything from us. Not a thing. Unless it is through Jesus Christ. Our entire lives are lived through the mediator. Jesus Christ. Get this. Even when we sin. Even when we sin. Have you ever thought of that? When we sin, we go to Him for forgiveness. And He intercedes for us to the Father. As He would say, I have paid a ransom for Him. He is covered. He is covered. The wrath of God is no longer on Him. He has passed over. So if you're a Christian, burdened by your sin, and you have disgust in yourself of all that you have done, If sin is still a weight on you, if Satan continues to torment you with your guilt, the word of the gospel says that you have been set free. You have been ransomed by Jesus Christ. And he is our advocate. That is someone who pleads on our behalf. What comfort that is. We have the Son of God who pleads on our behalf. And God cannot turn away Christ's plea. And no man and no devil can come between that. No man or no devil, if they're tormenting you because of your own faults, uh, they finally publicly notice that you're a sinner. And they want to torment you with your sin. Tell them you have a mediator. You have someone. Who pleads on your behalf. And God cannot turn away from that. God cannot turn away from his son. He turns away from false religions. He turns away from those who are not in Christ. But he will never turn away from those who are in Christ. Because they are in Christ, who is our only mediator and our only Savior. Amen.